Good evening, Brick Road. Well, I mean, this is the middle of the episode. Oh, sh- that's right. I, I don't want to pull back the curtain <laughs> that we're slicing two things together. It's it's open now, and it's just oh, God. it's just a fat guy with a handlebar mustache and a little yappy dog. Look, I don't like you identifying me like that and calling me out, so... <laughs> So I wanted to tell you about something that happened. I uh, sent out just kind of a random tweet praising uh, a video game, and I'm pretty sure the entire dev team liked or retweeted it, and it was very delightful. It was West of Loathing. That's a great game. It is a great game. I actually just finished, question mark, it. I got to the credits. <laughs> There's still a lot more to do in that game. Uh, but yeah, I tweeted um specifically what I tweeted, and I think you'll appreciate this, is I said that, West of Loathing does the quote-unquote avoiding combat thing better than Undertale uh, because it's not a binary system. It's a thing you can do or you cannot do, and it changes the specific scenarios, but it doesn't... This I didn't say all this in the tweet, but I basically just said it does it better than Undertale because it's not binary. And Asymmetric, which is the studio, I guess, the independent studio, retweeted it, and then several people who I clicked on their bio and they're like on the dev team also liked and or retweeted it it became like the best most popular tweet i ever did i was like this is awesome (laughs) have you gotten any backlash from the undertale community for your frankness no actually i didn't i don't remember if i hashtagged it or not so i don't know if the undertale community caught wind of it here's the thing i like undertale i actually love undertale but i love undertale because i played it kind of knowing what it was going into it and went into it as a more linear experience versus trying to figure out the morality of it. I just played it pacifist from the beginning. I made the mistake of playing it on stream, as you know. People bugged me for a long time to play it on stream, and somebody gifted... Actually, three separate people gifted me that game, and I had to return two of them because I already had it installed. Oh, man. And the night I sat down to play it, not ten minutes into the stream, somebody's already in there, lol, he already messed it up. I was extremely torn about that because on one hand, I hate, hate, hate when people tell me I'm playing a game wrong. But at the same time, I was told, hey, do a pacifist run. It's really the best way to play it. And so that's how I did it. I wish that that's what I had been told. I wish I had told you that. Yeah. And I think that I had even talked to some people in your stream, kind of like, how should Brick Red play this? And people were like, you should just play it. And I was like... Uh, okay. And I really should have been like, hey, dude, just play pacifist. Just do straight pacifist all the way through. I feel bad because we really should be talking about West of Loathing and not Undertale. Mm. <laughs> well, I, but I think it's a really good point of, of, of difference because in Undertale, if you kill anything, you can't get the pacifist ending. You can go back and replay the game, and it's a relatively short game, but it's still replay the game. And West of Loathing... I think if you take a pacifist action one time, you get a pacifist perk. But I think you could murder everything else in the game, and you still have that pacifist perk. Let me just let me describe how West of Loathing works for people who haven't played it. You go into, you get a quest, you go into a little quest map, and every all the little quest maps have their little stories and their NPCs to interact with. And I, I want to say in every single quest, that might not be true, but I want to say every single quest, you can either just go in and kill everything, and you'll get the quest rewards, or there's like an adventure game style 
story slash puzzle to work through and you can complete the quest without any combat and you still get the quest rewards. So yes and no. The caveat being that there are some times where you go into one of these things and you can do the not kill everybody thing if you have the particular stats, because West of Loathing is a game that has cutesy names for it, but it's basically strength, intelligence, and dexterity. I played a moxie build. I played a, a what would be a stealth build in most games. It's like um, Fallout gives you this with talking. You know, Bethesda games give you this with like dialogue choices and stuff, where it'll say, like, ooh, you have this charisma stat. You can have this dialogue choice. That's kind of how it works. So sometimes you only get that option. Other times you go in there and there is, it's like a puzzle, you know, and there's objects in the thing, or you can go get a quest item or something, and you can completely avoid combat. There are random encounters and things. There are like overworld encounters. But you can, you can avoid and... combat in those too. Not perfectly, again, but there are ways to avoid those combats. The big division between West of Loathing and Undertale, and I'm going to throw in South Park, the Stick of Truth, in there as well, had a lot of the same thing that West of Loathing does, is Undertale, it was a moral decision you were making that doesn't really matter because you're going to make it wrong on your first playthrough, and then you're going to commit to one on your second playthrough, and then your third playthrough you're going to do the other one that you didn't see yet. In West of Loathing and in South Park... I wanted to seek out those alternate solutions because the gameplay they offered, this adventure game style puzzle solving, was right up my alley. I really enjoyed it. I wanted to see those little stories and solve those little puzzles for their own sake. And I still felt like the combat system was fun when I did engage with it. Are you talking about West of Loathing or Stick of Truth or both? both? Yeah, I think that washes. I think because I, I did the same thing. I think that Stick of Truth leans heavier on the combat. I think there are fewer opportunities. I don't think there are places where you can just avoid combat altogether, but it definitely does have places where you walk in and there's environmental things or puzzle things you can do to get around the combat. I would also say Stick of Truth is a more traditional RPG because you have resource management. West of Loathing, the combat's very light. There is no out-of-combat permanence. There's a, it's, it's sort of like Final Fantasy XIII. You don't lose the HP you've lost. Right, which is the correct choice for that style of game. The one thing that I really like about West of Loathing is you can avoid so much of the combat, but even avoiding the combat gives you experience. And that is something that I think sometimes these games miss. In fact, Undertale, the only way to level up is through combat. Avoiding combat, you never level up. And they do they do have like an in-universe, you know, wink nudge reason for that. But I prefer West of Loathing. It, it gives you almost that more tabletop experience where if you solve a situation, you get the experience points for it. And I found that really satisfying. It was a Twitter discussion today talking about D&D experience that I wanted to bring up with you. Because you have the distinct honor of maybe the most boneheaded player move I've ever seen in my life in 20 <laughs> years of D&D. <laughs> Would you like to describe to the people how you lost four million pieces of gold? Sure, and uh, feel free to just step in and correct me where I inevitably get this wrong, because imagine that, I might not remember it right. So did you did you purge it from your memory? No, 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 it's, it's seared in there. I'm never going to live this one down. <laughs> um, but the funny thing is, is I actually really like this story. It, I believe I said in, the in one of the Twitter conversations that it is the best explanation, the best summation of that character. <laughs> um, because I had a character who was infamously a bad thief. He was a good rogue. He was very good in combat, but he was a 
notoriously a bad thief. I just did not do well under pressure uh, when I was doing infiltration and stuff like that. Um, so what ended up happening is very late in the game. I mean, I was like level 18 or 19 or something at this point. Uh, we were doing the Baba Yaba, Baba, Baba Yaga? Baba Yaga. Yeah, yeah. Baba Yaga. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I forgot what it was. I forgot. We were doing a Baba Yaga uh, hut quest, which for those who might not be familiar, it's... Uh, you go into this magical hut where the rooms move around and there's a lot of secret passages and it's just this huge, dangerous, magical place that you have to figure out. And it took us, what, about like a month and a half worth of sessions, I think, to get through this thing. Like, it was insane. It was five or I, six I, sessions, yeah. I mean, this, and we're talking about you go in and then you, like, escape you go in and you retreat and then you have to go back in and retrace your steps and hope things haven't been reset it was an ordeal and so and there's all these just horrible horrible trap rooms we had lots of people almost die or i think we definitely had people knocked out i can't remember if anyone straight up died and had to be recovered during this adventure and but one of the things that we found in baba yaga's hut was her treasure room and we were told it has $4 million worth of gold and treasure in it. Uh, without doing a full itinerary, that was just what Brickroad gave us, was $4 million worth of gold. That was printed in the module, by the way. There was four rooms with a million gold worth of treasure in each room. We eventually conquered the hut. We conquered Baba Yaga. It was amazing. If I remember correctly, we killed Baba Yaga, and you did not want that to happen originally. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I absolutely... <laughs> I gave her some broken abilities too i remember spending a great deal of time in that fight under the dominate spell and trying like crazy to kill my teammates which i personally found delightful i love that (laughs) (laughs) so anyways we kill her we take over the hut and because i was playing a high high level rogue i had the use magic item ability and so of all the characters of all the magically innate characters we had we decide we're gonna let the stupid rogue gnome drive this thing i can't remember why i think one of our mages was out of commission or something so it fell onto me the hut required attunement by a wizard and there were no wizards in the group Mm. and you're yeah you had a class skill that allowed you to attune to magic items regardless of class which is a wonderful broken well it's not broken it's just a wonderful ability that i had abused to great effect throughout the campaign. So I'm like, all right, you know, I got my big boy britches on, I get in the throne and I immediately get hit by some sort of trap or something. And Brick Road says to me, and I believe this was the very beginning of the session, because I think we ended the session, you know, Zook is going to get into this thing. And then he said, okay, we're going to stop there. So the very beginning of the next session, I don't think I've even like sipped my tea yet. (laughs) And Brick Road is just like, quick, McLean, I need you to name every room in Baba Yaga's hut that you can think of. And so I just start naming rooms. And because of the, let's just say, low-level PTSD that the hut had given me, I start naming every trap and every horrible, disgusting, despicable room in that place. What I do not name once is the treasure rooms. (laughs) And as it turns out, the hut because Baba Yaga had been killed, became unstable. And what that meant was anything I could not remember, which in-game meant that I could not concentrate on, ceased to exist. In the first 10 minutes of one session, after after the most grueling battle of our our campaign, I lost four 
million dollars worth of gold. <laughs> and my teammates from that session still hate me for that to this day. <laughs> I specifically remember Nodal saying he almost shouted treasure room and he was like, to hell with it. I will take whatever penalty Brickward wants to throw at me for it. <laughs> I did tell all of the other players, like, you can't help him. And one thing that's worth noting is this was my first campaign I ever played. So I was new to the system and I had a lot of fun. I think I did okay with it, but there's a lot of tricks and a lot of DM things that I wasn't familiar with. So I know Nick and Nodal and Destel were all, they knew what was up (laughs) in out of character. They knew what was up and they couldn't say anything. (laughs) And I had no clue. I was just like, oh, that terrible trap room and that terrible (laughs) trap room. And oh God, that room with the skeletons. And don't forget about the gross kitchen and the room with the meat hanging. That It was actually our dead bodies, but it was an illusion. And I just kept rattling these things off and just no treasure room. So, (laughs) But that's a great story, though. That's one of my favorite D&D stories. I love that. One of your favorite <laughs> D&D stories from one of the like the very first D&D campaign you played in. Mm. So believe it or not, I have an ulterior motive for bringing this up. Because okay. <laughs> I read a lot of D&D discussions, subreddits, and forums and things. And I like the ones where new DMs go to get advice on how to run their games. And there is this very kind of coddling culture... This idea that DMs need to make sure that all their players are having fun and having a good time. And that's the only goal of the game. Right. If any of these people had gone to, say, there's an RPG Horror Stories subreddit that I also read. And posted your story about losing 4 million gold. I think this new culture of coddling newer DMs would hate it. There's this thought of we sh- you can't allow players to fail... You have to make sure that they succeed so the story keeps going forward. But in my experience, it's the failures that you look back and laugh at that become the best stories. And and let's be real, because this was the end of a campaign. We were all extremely overpowered high-level characters. Other than just saying, I lost 4 million gold, really, in the context of the game, it didn't matter. Money was pointless to us by this point in the game, anyhow. You guys at this point had, like, a fleet of pirate ships, and you had a stronghold, and, like, a million gold in the bank, and... We had a city. We we had, a, like, our own little, like, fiefdom, you know? <laughs> we were we were fine, but yes, but to be able to say, no, I lost $4 million gold, like, that, you know, is... Is amazing. And I, yeah, and I think that you're right. Like, the failure's like, oh my god, the fact that you beheaded one of your players, like, the fourth session <laughs> of that same campaign, and you were just like, I warned you. So I have pretty good local news. <clears throat> okay. There have been seven confirmed cases of the measles in Pinellas County, where I live. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, did I say good news? Because I meant absolutely horrifying news. <laughs> <sighs> so, send your letters to Jenny McCarthy, care of... Uh, that's horrible. Is do you, is there a big anti-vax push in your area, or is this just all over now? Not as I'm aware. I read this in one of our local newspapers. Uh, it's a Tampa newspaper, so it's on the other side of the bay from us, and the question was, could the measles cross the bay? Like... Yeah, because... Yes, of course they could. It's the freaking measles. Because people are... The reason we have measles again now is because of stories that people are seeing on the internet and on cable news and whatever. It's it's not being transmitted by people biologically. It's being transmitted through 
the media now. Uh, and, and it just drives me crazy because every once in a while you have someone who's like, well, I never got the measles. I never got vaccinated. It's like, because herd immunity, because people generally speaking don't get the measles. But you know what happens? You get a few people who don't vaccinate their kids or vaccinate themselves if they're older. And next thing you know, a bunch of people who can't get vaccinated are getting these things. And that's horrible to me that people with like weakened immune systems might get these things now because idiots aren't vaccinating their yuppie spawn. <laughs> that sounds like a terrible doom monster or something. A yuppie spawn? Yuppie that spawn. sounds like something John Romero would have come up with. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was very young, five years old, I think, I had my, bar- my brother and I both had the chicken pox. And at the time, there was no vaccination for chicken pox. So like I had them. And then, like, she took my sheets and rubbed them all over my brother to make sure he got them, too. Because that's how you deal with these childhood illnesses. Like, you you get through them, and then hopefully you don't die. And neither of us did. Neither of us had any complications. We just got sick and got through them. But now there's a vaccination Mm -hmm. for it. Now, no five-year-old has to get the chicken pox anymore. And the argument that, oh, it's just part of childhood, it's like, I don't understand that argument at all. Wait, well, hold on. People make that argument about chicken pox? Oh, yeah. I've heard it. That it's just part of childhood? Have they never heard of shingles? I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Here's the thing I didn't know until someone I worked with got shingles, is apparently the shingles virus is just chicken pox. It's like like a slightly different form of it or something? Basically, if you had chicken pox as a kid, when you get old, you can come down with shingles because the virus is just hanging out dormant somewhere and then pops up and like... Boom, now you have shingles. Mm, looking forward to that. Yeah, apparently it's something that can happen when you're particularly stressed out or have, like, you know, weakened immune system or something. And I don't think it always happens. I don't think having chicken pox means now you get the shingles when you get older. But I think that's how it works. Yeah, and it's bad. The shingles can last for months. Like, you have your illness, and then you just have this achy rash that just doesn't go away for a long time. Uh, no, it doesn't sound pleasant. Nice to know that I have that to look forward to when I'm 50, though. Yeah, 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 because somebody had to share sheets, apparently. <laughs> I remember, do you remember the South Park episode where they did that? Does this ring a bell? I remember this one specifically because I was so horrified by it, because I didn't, I don't think I knew that this was a thing parents did, is somebody got the chicken pox, so they have a chicken pox party. So, like, Kyle's mom or whoever invites all of their friends over to get the chicken pox. Oh, yeah. And then, so they go and do research, and in one of the encyclopedias they're looking at, it says something like, the chickenpox is, you know, a form of the herpes virus, because it is. (laughs) Herpes is a crazy virus that takes on a thousand different forms. So they're like, oh, we're going to get our parents back. We're going to give them herpes. (laughs) And then there's something involving them finding a prostitute and getting the prostitute to use all of their parents' toothbrushes, and then they all get herpes at the mouth, and hilarity ensues. Um, So that is what I think about when I think about parents giving their kids chicken pox on purpose. I think about the kids from South Park giving all their parents herpes. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I kind of wish that would happen to anti-vaxxers. I wish they would all just get herpes. Well, then you got to go down to find a prostitute and get her toothbrush. That's a lot of work, man. I mean, I'm not suggesting somebody gets a prostitute to brush their teeth with Jenny McCarthy's toothbrush. But I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. <laughs> If you if you have access to Jenny McCarthy's toothbrush, if if the <laughs> opportunity terrible. presents itself, we're gonna end up on a list. <laughs> <laughs> I um I hate Fortnite. 
Have you tried Fortnite yet? No. I watched my niece play it when she was around, and... Mm-hmm. I think this is a common thread. I've seen a lot of people posting about watching their niece or nephew play Fortnite. My my nephew, God bless him, was over, and he likes to play Fortnite on my Switch. And occasionally, he'll try to get me to boot it up on the PC and play with him, and... I've done this a few times, and I finally had to tell him today. I was like, dude, I just, I don't like Fortnite. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's like, well, why not? I'm like, because it's not a fun game for me. I'm sorry. I'm old. I don't get the point of it. Fortnite, uh, uh, for those who don't know, and does anyone not know what Fortnite is at this point? I don't know how many 40-year-olds are watching that don't have access to nieces and nephews. I guess so, yeah. Well, so go get yourself a nephew. And ask them what Fortnite is. Like, ask permission first. Don't just roll up at the airport and steal a nephew at random. Just hold up a sign at the playground, nephew wanted. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Damn it, that's another list I'm going to get on. <laughs> so he... Yeah, well, it's, I mean, Fortnite, it's a, it's an arena battle game. It's, a, it's one of these games. It's like PUBG and... I forget what the other ones are called, but you uh, you and a bunch of randos spawn into a map and you try to kill each other and the map contracts. I don't know how they all, how the different ones do it. This one has a storm, so it's this this circle that contracts on you to basically to push everyone to the center of the map. And so my experience is you, I spawn into the map, I spend you know five minutes looking for guns and looking for materials, and then I get sniped by a twelve year old from across the map. And the really frustrating thing about Fortnite is, is when you get shot and you lose all your life, you fall on the ground and you just crawl like an idiot, hoping that one of your teammates will find you and heal you. But you usually just waste a minute crawling around until you just die. And that's it. And that's that's the game. And I usually don't get to shoot anyone. And it's no fun. That sounds about right. That's been my experience with those kind of games. And part of me was trying, like, I'm trying to, I always try to be very fair. And I'm like, okay, I like Risk of Rain, can I, in my brain, try to compare this game to Risk of Rain? Like, it's similar. You, you, you fall into a map, you play, you die a lot. It's sort of, a, is it like a roguelike? But I was like, well, no, because there's no progression. There's no skill. I mean, there's skill. There's shooter twitchy skill. But I don't know. I just, I don't like Fortnite. <laughs> I'm old, I guess. It's too bad being old. Yeah, it's too bad I don't like Fortnite, because apparently that's how you make the big money on Twitch, is you play Fortnite and you make millions of dollars. It's going to come back around one day, though, man. One day it's going to be like the big game that gets you the million dollars on Twitch is going to be like Chrono Trigger. And then I'll be there. <laughs> then I'll be good to go. Yeah, for real. And not speedrunning Chrono Trigger. No, 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 no. Of no, course no. not. Slowly, methodically playing right. Chrono Trigger. Yeah, yeah. Because anyone can speedrun a game. I mean, that's they make money on that already. But who can really break down the themes of Chrono Trigger over the course of four or five eight-hour streams. It's actually one of the most frustrating speedruns available. Uh, is it really? I've never actually watched a Chrono Trigger speedrun. Chrono Trigger speedrun is entirely RNG manipulated. So it's one of those games where two hours in, if you take too many steps the wrong direction, you're like, well, <laughs> that's the run. Thanks for watching. Uh, is there like a variant category that's not as RNG dependent or is it pretty much all of the categories? Are I like actually that? don't know. I don't think it's a very popular speed game anyway. Yeah, I can't imagine. Like at least Final Fantasy IV has that crazy step trick. And Long before like Fortnite and PUBG and all these games, the, the, the modern battle royale genre became big. There was a Hunger Games mod for Minecraft that worked the same way. 
Oh no. You spawned in four or six, like four person teams or whatever it is. And the world border would shrink over time. And the idea was you spent the time gathering your resources. And when you get into fights, they were really high octane, high energy fights. I used to watch videos of people following just them and their teammates, plotting ambushes against other people, like locking into good resources. They dropped a combat patch for Minecraft. Patch 1.9. I think we're up to like 1.12 now, but... Just go to. Just, why don't they... I don't... Anyways. Uh, but 1.9 was the big combat patch. It added a whole bunch of different combat changes to the game. And one of the changes they added was the shield. And I remember the funniest Minecraft videos I've ever seen is the right after this patch dropped, watching the Hunger Games. And it just killed the whole game site. Because now you have people launching arrows back and forth, but you just hold your shield and block all the arrows. So, like, what do we do now? <laughs> this is dumb now. <laughs> oh, no. So nobody liked the Hunger Games anymore. <laughs> and I haven't seen a new Hunger Games-style Minecraft series since. So maybe it's just over. Could you not use the mod to, like, say, no shields? Like, is that not a thing you can do? I'm sure people are out there doing stuff like that. But I, I had watched the same group of people do, like, a season of Hunger Games every patch for a long time and then 1.9 it's like oh this isn't fun now oh that's so sad mclean do you partake in the little pleasures in life i don't like to talk about that in public <laughs> no I'm, sure well, like what, what are you talking about <laughs> oh sorry do you need do you yeah, need, a I need to uh i feel now this whole topic's gonna go <laughs> in a very different direction from what i had in mind no no please go on Part of the human experience is, this is going to be really thoughtful and kind of cerebral for a second, and then I was going to go to a place of comedy, but you kind of just crashed the comedy motorcycle right into the side of my setup helicopter. This is what happens when you don't rehearse before a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> One of my little pleasures in life is I can go to the refrigerator and get a cold can of soda or whatever, and my wife will be laying on the couch and I can sneak up behind her and press it to the back of her neck. To make her squeal and leap out of the couch. I think this goes into the file of things that probably should have gotten Brick Red divorced by now. I've been doing this the entire time we've been together, and I will never stop doing this. Okay, fair enough. It gives me so much joy. And I think that's why she allows it. She's like, you know what? I gotta let him have this. <laughs> it makes him happy. This is just something that I have to put up with in my life now. <laughs> <laughs> It, do it doesn't work as well without the setup. I was going to see if you had a similar little joy in your life that you seek out, but now it's like, uh, see what you've done. I've ruined everything. No, let me think about it. Do I have anything simple like that that I like? Like some little pleasure. I do have one, and this is ridiculous, but I work with a, a girl, a lady, who uh, has had hiccups for like two years. And they're not, like, constant, but it's just, like, basically every day I hear her hiccup. And for some stupid reason, I've gotten the habit of whenever she has a loud hiccup, telling her, bless you. Because you usually don't say that to a hiccup. You usually say that to, like, a cough or a sneeze or, I don't know, a burp or something. So whenever she has one of these loud, girly hiccups, she goes, eek, from my desk. I just go, bless you. And she gives me the same look every time. This just, like, really? <laughs> I tell her, I'm like, I'm never going to stop doing that. I, I'm, you're just going to have to stop hiccuping. So the interesting part of that story to me is you're going around saying bless you to people when they burp? Oh, yeah. No, any bodily function I think is worthy of a bless you. Oh, I tell that to my wife when she farts. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> 
If she makes an audible fart. That sounds like another little joy. I probably should have told that story before the coworker one. I guess I guess it works as a setup though. Just now I have this image of your coworker like going to therapy and being like I've just been having this problem for two years, and there's this guy in the office that every time... See, if it was that constant, I would probably be like, oh, God, I I can't torture this poor girl. But it's more like just in the middle of the day, to just be like this loud hiccup. And I get the impression she has, like, lots of little quiet ones, but there always will be one loud one about, like, halfway through the day. And I'm just like, bless you. One of my friends in our D&D group has this thing, like, she'll laugh. And every single time she's laughing, no matter how hard she tries, she'll get, like, the Steve Urkel snort in there. It'll just happen. (laughs) And every single time it happens, it derails everything else going on in the room. We all have to start snorting at her. Which makes her laugh even harder, and now she's snorting even more, and then three hours go by, and nothing gets done. Since this is apparently a podcast where we talk about just TV shows that we're watching all the time... I have some very exciting TV news. They're doing a new Star Trek series. I saw. And whenever they pitch a new Star Trek series, I got a little voice in my head that's like, maybe it'll be good, but it's not going to have Jean-Luc Picard. Yes. And so the new series that they they just announced that I read about on Patrick Stewart's Twitter is that the new series is going to have Jean-Luc Picard. Yes, I've seen that. The only thing that I am not super keen on is my understanding is it's going to be on CBS Access? Yeah. So does that mean it's not going to be on TV at all? I don't know. (laughs) Mm, Yeah, like... It does provide a logistical problem. My hope is that we'll get it on, like, Hulu or something... See, that's the problem with the online streaming services right now is everybody wants a piece of the pie. And I believe, because I tried to watch something else that was on CBS at one point, and I couldn't because CBS didn't play nice with Hulu. They want you to subscribe to their stupid streaming service. So we're, we're in the middle of the streaming service bubble. A lot of people are like saying, uh, well, you know, people asked for years for a la carte cable, and now they have it and they don't like it. I'm like, no, this isn't what people meant when they said they wanted a la carte cable. Even a la carte cable, I mean, it could be by channel, but it could be like, I'm willing to pay a buck or three bucks or whatever the scale is for XYZ channels. The fact is right now, everybody wants their 10 to $15 slice of the pie. And yes, that's too much for the amount of That's what I don't think is sustainable. You can't pay $10 for NBC and ABC and Disney and CBS and everything else. Right. And that's another thing. Disney apparently is pulling a bunch of content uh, away from Netflix because they're starting their own streaming thing and they just bought Fox. So apparently all the comic movies are going to stop being available on Netflix, which means I'm just never going to watch a comic movie movie again apparently so disney they're one of the companies that i think could actually when everything shakes out the bubble bursts and all that's left are the few streaming services people actually want i could see disney being one of the ones that i would personally pay for because i like the disney movies i like some of the programming on the channels that they own uh my wife is in love with marvel movies because she has no taste and star wars movies for the same reason so i could totally see like we'll pay 10 bucks for netflix and hulu and Disney. I could see Disney being there. CBS Access? Well, that's the thing. I mean, like, CBS... CBS, first of all, does not have great programming traditionally. And the reason Hulu works is Hulu had a partnership with, what, Viacom? Well, Viacom is, like, half of TV right now. (laughs) Like, let's be real. 
and then I think that like ABC played nice with them and some other stuff. Like Hulu had a pretty decent collection, and one of the reasons I liked Hulu was you got a lot of stuff just like the next day. I very much would just watch the previous day's Daily Show the next morning. But yeah, if Disney owns Disney, Marvel, Miramax, Fox, I mean, if all that stuff's available, yeah, I could. Very, especially, oh man, can you imagine if the Disney streaming service just is like, hey, '90s kids. Every Disney afternoon show, it's just on the service. I wouldn't, I wouldn't watch them. Are, are you afraid to go I'm, back? I'm, I'm going to be honest. I wouldn't watch them. I, I don't think I could go back. Sorry to say. I went back and watched the um, miniseries, like the week of programming that opened up DuckTales, and that was still held up pretty well. I think there's a lot of fluff in there. You know, you got to remember for every DuckTales, there was like two or three bonkers and tailspin. And I did have the Gummy Bears theme song playing in my helicopter in Metal Gear Solid for a little while. <laughs> I remember that. I cracked myself up like a month ago or so. I made, I wrote a big Metal Gear blog post. I had to go into the Phantom Pain and get some screenshots and called in the helicopter. And apparently last time I played that game, I had set the helicopter music to the Law and Order theme song. <laughs> So I call on the chapter and it's just dong dong, <laughs> just hauntingly carrying across the hills of Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah, executive producer, Dick Wolf. Have you watched the uh, the new Ducktales at all? No, it's good. Yeah, it's actually really good. I like it quite a bit. I would say my only fault with it is there's not enough Scrooge. There's a lot of focusing on the kid characters, and they're fine. Uh, I do wish there was more Scrooge being awesome. Yeah, see, I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm over the cartoons. I used to be big on, like, just relatively recently, big on the cartoons. I remember going through Avatar and Gravity Falls and uh, some other stuff. But, yeah, the last few years, I haven't... The only cartoons I've watched have been, like, the grown-up ones on Netflix. I enjoyed, like, BoJack Horseman. I'm kind of the same way. The main reason I wanted to check out DuckTales was I heard it was good. Mm -hmm. And I do like a lot of the voice talent that's on it. I I did check it out. But it's really about the only kids program I've watched recently. And it's one of those shows that, like, knows its audience. So, I mean, it's very much kids safe and very much a kids show. But I think it has a lot of wink and nods to the older kids. Um, the, the, the references. Like, there's a whole thing where, like, they never once say the word gummy bears. But... The thing they're looking for is very obviously gummy berry juice, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. That's what made me think about it. Even the nostalgia for gummy bears, though, you're skewing pretty old. Gummy bears is almost before my time. Almost. Is it? I remember watching a lot of gummy bears. Maybe it was on reruns by that point. It ran for one season on the Disney afternoon, like in the very late 80s, before like DuckTales and everything else. Like, I remember I was probably in kindergarten. I mean, I'm only a couple years older than you, but the difference between a kindergartner and a, you know, a seven-year-old, like, I think I was just all in on that already, so. Yeah, like, everything I watched when I was seven, I remember very clearly, but Gummy Bears is just a kind of a vague blob back in infancy somewhere. Oh, I'm so old. I'm practically decrepit already. I have a YouTube channel to introduce you to, in case you haven't seen it. Okay. Are you familiar with Tear Zoo? Tear Zoo? No, I am not. Tear Zoo is a great channel. It's a channel that talks about animals and animal biology and things in the context of the world being a video game. So every episode is him like making a tier list of various animals. What are the best builds in this animal class? It's kind of the gimmick. 
I just Googled it, and the first thing that I saw was Argeese OP. Yeah, that's his newest one, Argeese. Subscribed. Excellent <laughs> channel. But I bring it up because I feel like Tearzoo, a month ago or so, gave us a definitive answer to the Pick 2 meme that we discussed. Oh, wow. Way back in our premiere episode. The Pick 2 meme was, it gave you an option of nine animals and said, you have to pick two of these, and the rest are going to come and kill you. Oh, he's literally discussing the meme. Okay. <laughs> and there were eagles and crocodiles. And the first thing I liked about his video is he actually identifies the species in each picture. Okay. Like, we didn't know if it was an alligator or a crocodile. He knows what kind of crocodile it was. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. We eventually settled on, I believe, the hunter with the rifle. You can have one human. And the birds. And then we discussed whether or not the rats were viable. And I think we came up with some stuff for the bears, right. too. But he makes a very compelling argument that the correct option are rats and birds. I made a pretty strong argument for rats. Because they give you like 10,000 rats. I was like, rat swarm is pretty potent. <laughs> <laughs> well, we discussed, like, you could just hole up somewhere you and your hunter buddy could build a house and then the rats would give everything else the plague and they would all die well and we also just we also were trying to figure out if we could use D swarm rules with those rats <laughs> but no I, I feel like this is the definitive answer i feel like he's given us the correct answer to the meme birds and rats because he argues the most dangerous single thing out there is the hunter right but the hunter is not so good that if he's on your team your team is better the hunter, instead, he views as a threat, and he's thinking, okay, but if I have 50 eagles with excellent eyesight, they could blind this hunter, and then he's useless. I think I was with him on birds, because I was like, mm -hmm. you get those birds, and you just go for the eyes, you're going to take out anything, basically. You get you because you get 50 of these birds. Yeah, they give you a lot and there's, of there's not 50 of anything else except rats. Right. I remember when, the first time I looked at the meme, before I showed it to you, I was kind of cold on the birds. But I remember you kind of turned me around on the birds. I gave you that hot um, gunslinger, Stephen King's The Gunslinger tip. That, like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, man, birds are awesome. <laughs> but yeah, his thought was that the birds have enough good eyesight to see all the other threats. And the, there's just so many rats. There's like a thousand rats per other combatant out there. So, yeah, birds and rats. That's nice. Tirzu's official endorsement on the Pick 2 meme. I'm watching this on mute while you're talking, and it's just like, it's just quick shots of animals and like charts with like power ratings. And I'm like, I love this already. <laughs> like, yeah, Tirzu is an excellent channel. It's very, very uh, good content. Like gamifying animal combat is my jam. <laughs> I watch a lot of educational content on YouTube. Oh, yeah. A lot of it. Have you watched, um, it's, it's a little close to the style of game theory, but I feel like the science is a lot better. Um, <laughs> oh, real life lore. Have you looked at that one before? Yeah, I've watched some of real life lore. Yeah, I like real life lore quite a bit. And they do a lot of stuff where they're like, okay, how tall of a building could we build based on the principle of the base has to be this wide to support something this tall before we like throw off the Earth's, you know, rotation or something, you know, like stuff like that. <laughs> or how close can you actually get to a black hole before you hit the event horizon and what would happen to a person and what would happen to a planet, you know, that kind of stuff. That's one of the strengths of YouTube is that you have so many of these professionals, people who went into education or various sciences, but like as a hobby, they just make some videos and the, their hobby becomes their job. Right. Like it's hard to look at a channel like Tearzoo with that much support and think that this guy, he he's easily could make a full-time living just on this channel. 
And that that's really a positive aspect of YouTube, that I don't think that kind of culture would have popped up if not for a venue like YouTube where anybody can make any video they want. Yeah, no, I think YouTube, for all of its flaws, has done a pretty good job of having a relatively open marketplace. Uh, I know there's been issues from creators about how they change their ad revenue stuff from time to time, but I think that you can go on YouTube right now and type in just about any random search term and find maybe not exactly what you were looking for, but something interesting. Like I'm looking at my home screen right now and YouTube's home screen, I don't know how their algorithms work. They are a mess. But here is a, a random video that says me channel, but every note is a random pitch. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I bet it's entertaining. <laughs> I feel like we got off track because I was talking about things that are educational, things you can like learn from. <laughs> Yes. Sorry. No, I do. I, I actually, one of my favorite things to do at work is to, because uh, I have a dual monitor set up and a lot of times I'll just have kind of in the corner of my accessory monitor, I'll just have something playing that I can mostly listen to all the time. You know, a lot of game videos, a lot of times I'll have your Twitch feed up, but then sometimes I just go down a rabbit hole uh, on, on YouTube videos with educational stuff, just completely random, uh, real life lore type stuff. And now Tier Zoo is probably going to be my crack for the next couple of weeks. It's just very satisfying. I, it, you don't get that very often. It's not very often you get an internet meme that you reach a satisfying and definitive answer. But I feel <laughs> like with TierZoo's help, we've gotten there with this okay, one. Okay, YouTube, settle down. I clicked on TierZoo, and I'm just kind of looking at it. I was like, okay, well, what's, what does it recommend to me based on TierZoo? And the top-related channel is PewDiePie. <laughs> Come on. You definitely don't want to take PewDiePie if a bunch of animals are trying to kill you. Oh, no. I mean, only if I can use them as a distraction. Like, throw them to them. <laughs> yeah. Come at me, PewDiePie. <laughs> Cut to three years from now. McLean is a broken man in a bunker. He knows that PewDiePie and Roseanne are on the hunt for him. Oh, the pubes are coming for me. That's what their fans are called, right? The pubes? That's what I'm calling them now. I only had one other topic, and I don't think we should do it, but I still wanted to bring it up. I don't, because I, I have such a bad sense of comedic timing when it comes to stuff like this because i have such a black sense of humor is, is it too soon to make jokes or make observations that's like in the news today we had one of these situations where there was a missing child mm -hmm. missing two-year-old and there was people out searching for this kid and then come to light this evening the mother admitted that she killed the child and hid the body ah yeah that's no good <laughs> so and it, it's a tragic story and we've heard it over and over again but Right. What I keep focusing on is reading the news story saying that she admitted to killing the child in a moment of aggravation and hiding the body in the woods. And I'm like, what woods? There's no woods around here. <laughs> There's no place you can stand. Like, I know the spot where this body was found. Mm -hmm. Like, I've literally been there. It's like four trees. There's no woods anywhere here. It's not woods. It is wood. It hid it in wood. <laughs> She hollowed out a tree and stuck a kid in it. She found this spot that's a couple yards in from this main road, kind of sandwiched between the road and, like, this overpass. It's a bike path. Yeah, there are trees, but it's not the woods. <laughs> and I can't focus on any other part of the story other than that. I mean, it's a fair thing to focus on. My wife is neck deep in this. Uh, have you seen anything about this Colorado murder case where this guy apparently killed his uh, wife and two girls 
but like he keeps changing his story and he, he claimed they went missing so he went on tv and was all like oh my girls are missing my wife is missing and everyone's kind of like he's acting kind of weird and then they found the bodies and they were like oh he totally killed them so then he changed the story to um my wife came home from a business trip and uh, and it was like the middle of the night, and so I woke up and I looked in the baby monitor, and she was strangling the girls. So then I went and strangled her, and then I hid the girls' bodies by my work because that seemed like the right thing to do at the time, apparently. Anywho, she is neck deep in this story, and I don't know exactly what this has to do with what you were talking about, other than kid murder. So this is a pretty bummer topic. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like an excellent Netflix series that we'll see in a couple years, though. It sounds like a serial. They take what seems like a simple concept and drag it on an entire season of a podcast. And I strangely am obsessed with these things now. I One of my guilty pleasures is the real crime like documentary serials on Netflix because I'm watching these stories and I'm fascinated. But I always feel really dirty watching them because somebody has died. Oh, yeah. And their story is now my entertainment. Oh, have you watched the Forensics Files? Because that's another one that Michelle likes a lot. To my disgust and horror, yes, I used to have a addiction to the Forensics Files. I no longer watch it because we no longer have a cable subscription, so I'm free of that now. One of my favorite things about the Forensics Files, there is actually an episode of the Forensics Files where they figure out that a dude watched an episode of the Forensics Files and tried to improve on the murder by getting around some of the things that they used to catch the other dude on the Forensics Files. Okay. And then he got caught. It became an episode of the Forensics Files himself. And it is so weirdly folded in meta. It's like a sequel. Like, you wouldn't expect a sequel episode in Forensics Files. It's a murder show, for God's sakes. I empathize with that, though. Because I've, I've read this story. I'm like, all right, listen, I'm not going to kill a two-year-old. But if I did, and I wanted to get away with it... Like, I, I would definitely not get caught, okay? You say that, but I, I'm i just saying I, I would watch your Forensics Files episode. I just, I know where there are woods. <laughs> like, I can drive 45 minutes and, find, like, there's woods. Don't dump it in the bay, it'll just wash up, you know, like that episode of Dexter. But you have put thought into this. <laughs> I t- my brain goes to weird places sometimes, but like, well, even this uh, Colorado thing that she's obsessed with now. Apparently, he watched I don't know some true crime thing, and like they found a record of it on his Netflix or something, and they're like, oh my god, did he try to reenact or improve upon some true crime thing? It's kind of the same thing. We're gonna find out, like ten years or so from now, we're gonna find out that a lot of the things that get implemented on these true crime stories. And on, like, the CSI-style dramas are just BS, specifically made up so that people will try to use those things and get caught. Like, somebody's going to come out in 2030 and be like, oh, DNA's not a real thing. <laughs> we made that up <laughs> just to catch everybody. Yeah, yeah we, just, we just tell people that and we get confessions. It's, it's really just, you know. We've been breaking into hotels for years and spraying just nonsense down on bedsheets so Gordon Ramsay has something to find with his blacklight. It's not actually DNA. Well, you know what? It's actually the opposite problem. I've heard that one of the problems that actual forensics experts have now is that when DNA tests aren't as like 
clean cut and definitive as they see on CSI, juries are way more skeptical. And it's actually making a lot of their jobs harder because there's a lot more reasonable doubt now because the science is not, it's not like CSI where, uh, you know, what's his name? I almost said David Duchovny and I can't think of who his name is now. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, when the guy takes off his... <laughs> David Duchovny is fine. We could just go So with when that. David Duchovny takes off his sunglasses and the, and the Who song kicks on, yeah! There's no like, yes, this DNA points at this person. It'd be like, well, no, the DNA indicates that it's some, you know, this person has a 98% chance likelihood of being at the scene of the crime or whatever the case may be. It's not as cut and dry. And, and jurors are like, I don't know, man. I saw this episode of a uh, murder CSI Miami Law and Order that <laughs> said that you should know, like, within like 35 minutes, because the episode's almost over, who did this. <laughs> 